Well, it's great. Welcome to Willow Park Church. What a blessing it is. How exciting to gather together and to spend this time listening to worship, engaging, allowing the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us. Can I encourage you at this moment as we begin our service online, why don't you simply pause and ask the Lord to speak to you? Why don't you pause and ask the Lord to come and to fill you afresh with his presence, that you become aware of his power in your life? Well, we are going to be thinking about the final chapter of Daniel chapter 12 at Highway 33. And Pastor Glenn will be talking about the history of revival. So I want to encourage you as we step into this time to allow the Lord to minister to you and to speak to you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to meet together, to be together. And I pray, Lord, for those that have joined us online, that you will fill them with expectation, with encouragement, that, Lord, you will be with them, that you'll come close to them. Sit down right where they are, uh, wherever they are in their house at this moment and simply, gently wrap your arms around them and remind them that they are loved, that they are a child of God, that you are with them, that you care for them. And so, Father, we pray as we begin this service together May you bless us, may you speak to us, may you encourage us through the worship. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, can I remind you, as I've got your attention for a moment, that Monday evening is Willow One Prayer. We will be uh, having that hour to pray for everything that is going on in Willow Park Church. I'm so thankful for your commitment, for your devotion. Pop it into your planner, put it into your phones. Let the notifications ring out like church bells of old and come and gather in prayer. I know that spending the time will be... um, It will be a real blessing to you. Hey, the weather's changing. So uh, summer's gone. And now we probably have a bit more rain coming. But I know summer will be back. So why not spend Monday evening in the presence of the Lord, joining us for that hour to pray and seek the Lord. But as we begin now, I'm going to hand over to Luke as he leads us in worship this morning. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We're so honored that we get to to worship with you guys and that we get to worship our God and just lift up our praise to him. And we're singing a couple of well-known songs this morning, one new one. And, uh, and I just, I pray that these songs will just touch your heart, that the Holy Spirit would use them to, to help you sing out and to praise the Lord um, because we are redeemed. We are redeemed by the King by the Son of God, and and, uh, that's an amazing thing that we want to be joyful for. So would you join us as we sing Let the Redeemed this morning?
through just the middle of hard times that we can still praise you God that we can still trust that you are in control that when it feels like we're in a battle when it feels like we just don't know how we're going to get out of this Father that you see the end of it and we don't know what the end looks like but we know that the end is always good for us Father even when it's hard even when it's tough you are in control and there is an end in sight Father, and ultimately we get to see your face if that's the end, and that's a good, that's a good thing, Father. Would our hearts know that? Would we be humbled by that this morning? Would we look forward to being with you? Would we trust you? Sing us out with us. So when I fight 
Jesus, we love you, and we thank you that you are, you are the greatest thing that we have in this life. Thank you that your love is better than life, Father. That your delight in us is better than anybody else's delight. Father, that you being proud of us, that you loving us is better than anything else, God. We thank you that you came to earth, the God of ages, the ancient of days, came to earth from his throne of glory to this dusty, broken planet because of your rich mercy and your great love, your abundance of love towards us, your children. Thank you, God. Thank you for that. We love you. And this week and and this service, we want to praise you. We want to give you our attention, give you our focus, give you our everything. We love you. Thank you that you love us no matter what we do. Even when we mess up, even when we fall short, you love us. Praise your name. Praise your name. So God, would you bless this service? Bless this sermon. Would you speak to us, Holy Spirit? Would you convict us? Would you convict and talk to people who don't know you this morning? Would this be a morning of salvation, God? Where they would see that that you make known to us the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Would we all see that this morning? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Have a great morning. Thank you, Luke. Uh, It's so good to be led in worship and to have that time. Living hope, my living hope, the hope that there is in Jesus. I love the word hope because it communicates so much. But hope isn't something that I just sort of may happen It's something that will certainly happen in Scripture. That our hope is in Christ. And that is something that is certain. That is something that is strong. It's even something that we say you can go to the bank on. You you know that it's true. That it's solid. That it will always be there. And for us, our hope, our certainty, our belief is in the fact that Christ is our saviour. He's our Lord and that he is with us. And so as you hold the bread, if you need to go and uh, collect some emblems, please do. But as we hold the bread for a moment, just by looking at that piece of bread that you're holding, uh, you perhaps grabbed it from your bread cupboard or wherever you get it from, it looks quite normal. It's... A normal piece of bread. But it reminds you that Christ himself came and to become human. If you like, he was normal and yet, of course, he was divine. And he lived amongst the normality of humanity. He walked amongst us. He experienced all the pain and all the suffering. But his ultimate mission, of course, was the cross. His ultimate mission was to go and to be present 
and to be available to go and to lay his life down for humanity. Often we find it hard to understand why Jesus came and why Jesus had to die. Well, the reason he came was to be on a rescue mission for humanity and come down to this earth and to rescue us and to bring us back to God. The reason he died was because there had to be a price that needed to be paid. And that price was the price of sin. And so Jesus gave his life so that we may be forgiven. We may be redeemed. We may be made right. That was the purpose of his rescue mission. That was the purpose of the greatest event in history. The supernova event of all time was Jesus coming into this world and being nailed to that cross and bringing forgiveness and life and resurrection into the world. So, Lord, we thank you for this bread that we hold that reminds us of your body that was broken for us. And, Lord, we give thanks for it. Bless this bread as we eat it. We remember all that you gave for us. And we humble ourselves before you now. The body of Christ, which is broken for you, eat it in remembrance of him. We know that when his body was broken, his blood was poured out for us. The blood that takes away the sins of the world. Friends, take it, drink it and give thanks that you have been atoned for, that you've been forgiven, that you've been redeemed through the blood of the Lamb. Well, amen. Well, whether you're joining us uh, from Highway 33 and we're going to finish off Daniel chapter 12 or you're with the South Mission community or Lake Country, wherever you are this morning, we pray that God will bless you, encourage you and lead you and that his word will do its work on your life. I can barely wait to share the message about uh, Daniel 12, and I know Pastor Glenn's really excited to share about revival. And so you've got two great sermons there. What a great church. Wonderful. So here's the news of Willow Park Church and all that is taking place. And um, the Lord bless you on this day. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us today. Here is your family news. for our monthly all-church prayer gathering. Willow One Prayer is happening online Monday, April 26th at 7 p.m. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com slash willowoneprayer. Did you know you can attend an in-person church service at all three of our locations every Sunday? 
We have so many church on lawn and drive-in services available. Registration opens every Tuesday. Plus, starting May 2nd, we are offering in-person kids church at both our Rutland and South locations. Sign up today at willowparkchurch.com slash on lawn or willowparkchurch.com slash drive-in. We have some exciting news for all of you who love camping. You are invited to our big church camp out happening July 9th to 12th at Pines Bible Camp. We also have extra camping dates available July 5th to 16th. This camping experience is for all ages and we will have activities for kids and adults. So save the date on your calendar because this is something you don't want to miss. Registration will be coming soon, so watch your emails and our website for more details. Rainbows is a special group that can help children, kindergarten to grade 6, heal the hurts caused by a loss through divorce, separation, foster care, death, or other life-altering events. At Rainbows, children can make friends with other kids who understand how they feel and the things that they are going through. We will be running this program May 3rd to June 28th. Learn more and sign up online at willowparkchurch.com rainbows. person, young or old, experiences grief when a loss occurs. Feelings of anger, sadness, despair, and deep loneliness can feel overwhelming. No two grieving people grieve the same and feel the depth of emotion the same, so it often feels like we're alone to navigate the turbulent seas. For children, this can often be a time of great confusion as they experience a mixture of feelings and emotions that are tough to understand. Often their caregivers and extended family are also dealing with their own grief over the loss that has occurred. This often leaves children to feel they must be strong to navigate the storm alone or that they are somehow at fault for the loss even when it makes no logical sense. Children don't distinguish between the pain of loss that results from death and the pain of loss that results from divorce, separation, or abandonment. To a child, they all feel the same. Because of this, a child can respond with compassion to the loss events of their peers no matter the cause of that loss. Their needs are the same. There are many children in our community that are navigating these feelings of loss right now. We would like to step into these needs and provide a safe place where children can connect with peers and build relationships and come to an understanding that they are not alone but are a part of a community of people who care for them. Rainbows is a peer-focused program that helps children understand and deal with common grief and begins the process of healing. It is important to understand Rainbows is not counseling, but instead a place to build friendships with other children also experiencing grief. Together with the help of a team facilitator, children will find the support, understanding, and the sense of community so they can begin the process of healing and turn tears to hope and joy. To register for our next upcoming session or for more info, please contact us. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Well, welcome back. And can I celebrate with you that you have stuck through Daniel from chapter one all the way to chapter 12 and you punched your way through chapter 11. 
possibly the most complicated chapter in the whole of the Bible. At least that's what they say. I actually found it fascinating. I loved it. The whole idea of that telescope where we started with Daniel, where he was prophesying and he prophesied all the way through to the very end of time. And boy, a lot of stuff has taken place throughout time. A lot of things have happened, of course. But of course, in that chapter 11, we dealt with briefly the Persians, the four kings. Then, of course, we moved into Alexander the Great, the one who came. And for that, what, 12 or 13 years, boom, he had his uh, big empire that was then carved into quarters and split. And then we focused on the middle section of the two quarters to, I guess, the west of his empire, which was Egypt and Syria. And there we understood the kingdom of the south. Egypt, Ptolemy, and the kingdoms of the north, Antiochuses, uh, and the different Antiochuses that reigned in the north in what we call the Solutions uh, dynasty. So we had those going on, and of course, what shocked us was the exact detail, generation by generation, through several hundreds of years, marriages and births and battles and warfare and wonderful, mighty, creative events of of history was prophesied in Daniel chapter 11. And the reason you get such detail in Daniel chapter 11, I believe, is so you can trust God, when you get to the end of Daniel chapter 11 and into the glorious Daniel chapter 12. Does that make sense? In other words, we can look at scripture and see that under Daniel, several hundred years before, 550 BC, he was able to prophesy about things happening in 323 BC. And then he was able to fast forward several hundred years all the way and prophesy in detail through the generations, through all the Ptolemy pharaohs that ruled in the south, those Greek pharaohs that ruled Egypt for all those, for 300 years in fact. And then we get to the hideous uh, Antiochus IV, whose was um, that kind of little model of the Antichrist that would come, what he did sort of um, globally within the Israelite era uh, will happen kind of on a macro level globally through the end, uh, Antichrist at the end. So you get a very clear picture of all of these events on this telescope of time. But then, of course, verse 36 We enter a world that hasn't happened. We naturally move and scholars really struggle over this. Critical scholars, because they can't understand why there's not a transition in Daniel's prophetic utterance from kind of verse 35 to 36. But I kind of find it really encouraging because Daniel is just hearing what the Lord is telling him. And the Lord is able just to keep speaking to him. And I guess he wasn't aware. But then there's that phrase at the end of time that comes in where we get the transition and we have this prototype 
this little model, if you like, of the Antichrist that then will arise and will come. So we've been on a journey through Daniel and we've learned some really important principles. First of all, that God is looking for faithfulness of his people even through the most difficult times. Secondly, we've learned that we can trust in God and have a completely different perspective. Thirdly, we've learned that that God is sovereign and God is in control of even the detail of the nations and history. We've learned that there is, fourthly, hope. And that hope is in the kingdom that will last forever. That hope is there. And when we see the shifting and changing of our own political world, and you see the tectonic plates of the kind of uh, geopolitics and the money that is moved around the world and the injustice and the pain and the, and the 2% of the world's uh, is being, being, that the 2% of world people that hold the wealth are controlling, uh, feels like the 98%. You see all of man's politics, of all of man's power, of all of mankind's activities. And yet the message of Daniel again and again, through the Babylonian Empire, through the Persian Empire, through the Greek Empire, through the kingdoms of the North and the South, is that God is in complete control. And these are themes that need to burn into our hearts and burn into our minds. But now we find ourselves having looked at the arrival of this Antichrist figure and then going to the edge of the telescope where we know that at the edge of time, something remarkable will take place. So there's a number of points I want to make as we step into chapter 12 of Daniel. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Isn't this encouraging? What we do know is that the end, that there will be a time of unprecedented problems, pains and difficulties. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. Now, we've heard a lot about stress. We've heard a lot about pain. Under Antiochus the, uh, the fourth in Jerusalem, the brutality was horrific and terrible. The ancient world was horrific and terrible. There was great pain and the brutality and the genocide and the way that they slaughtered whole cities and killed people, particularly the Greeks and the Romans, of course. But every uh, world power would, would come with brutality and, and would kill 
people. It was not a time to live. It was a, a difficult time. Great nations would fight against each other and would annihilate each other. But here we see that in the future, there will be terrible events that will take place that have not happened. And from the beginning of the nations until then, but at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book of life will be delivered. I, I want to remind you, is your name written in the book of life? Is your name written in the book? Because I want to tell you that I am famous in heaven because my name is written in the book of life of heaven. And I want to remind you that if you're a follower of Christ, your name is written in the book. That your name is there in that sense that you can know that your future is secure because your future is in the hands of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross and he rose on the third day, what we know is that when we believe on him, our names are written in that book and he looks in that book and we have access to all the glory and the wonder of heaven. I know sometimes that seems impossible to believe. I know sometimes it feels, wow, that's amazing. But let me tell you something. The reason the prophetic utter is so exact earlier is so you can trust it for your future. You can trust the words of scripture. You can trust what the Bible says because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Do I get an amen? If you like that, put amen and say amen in the, um, in the little messaging if you can because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so we is written in the book. You will be delivered. In fact, if you've trusted in the Lord, in that sense, you've been delivered because you are saved now. And that deposit of, of, of heaven is in your life now. That down payment of your salvation is there. Now, of course, Daniel didn't know how all this would play out. But it's really encouraging that when we look at Daniel and look at Revelation, the language is synchronized. You feel the journey. You feel that God's got this. And therefore, the whole message of chapter 12 is that life is tough. It's hard. But you have something so powerful, so remarkable within you that you're able to stand. If you know me, you know I love uh, history. And I love this story of a monk on Linda's Farm in Northumbria. Now, Linda's Farm was a place of prayer. It was a place of worship. It was a place where they wrote the scriptures in Northumbria on the East Coast. It is kind of the twin to Iona, where the first great missionaries went to Iona and evangelized Scotland and Ireland. And then uh, Linda's Farm is this beautiful little island that, that they, they created as a place of prayer and wonder. And you can only get there at certain times because of the tide and that you have to follow... Um, Poles in the uh, in the sand that as the tide goes out, you follow these poles and you reach the island and safely. And then at the 
then at the right time you return the same way. And the monks were on this island. The story is told, of course, Lindisfarne is the first place where the Viking invaded Britain. They came across from Norway and they came across from the Norse. And as they arrived, where they landed, the very first attack was on the holy island of Lindisfarne. And the Vikings came ashore and they took slaves, they took the gold, they rampaged, uh, they murdered monks. And there's this little story that is told about that era. That one day there was a monk who was praying in the chapel. And the Viking bursts in through the doors and walks towards him. And the monk turns around and looks at him and stands. And the Viking says, Christian, how does it feel to be standing before the man that is going to take away your life? And with a certainty that was deep in his heart, the monk answered, Viking, how does it feel that I am the man that is going to let you take my life away? Why? Because I have an assurance. I have a salvation. I know where I'm going. I know who I am in God. I know that there will be a resurrection. I know that God is with me. And I know one day there will be a judgment. And you will be judged unless you bend your knee to Christ. Well, the monk was martyred at that moment but he was martyred with confidence because he knew where his salvation was in Jesus Christ now having told you that story that story captures the very essence of Daniel chapter 12 because what God is communicating through Daniel chapter 12 and through the saints and through the difficult times and through the end days is that we have a hope that is unshakable. We have a hope that is eternal. We have a hope that is strong and that your name has been found written in the book and will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. This is the most descriptive moment in the Old Testament that describes the theology of resurrection. Now, there are moments in the Psalms, moments in the prophets, Ezekiel where we get an indication, a clear indication of the resurrection of the dead. We get that whisper, those echoes. But here, for the most clear moment, we see the promise that those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. These are encouraging words. 
These encouraging words for the Jewish nation that would have to fight the Maccabean wars. These are encouraging words for future generations. These are affirming words when we look what Jesus Christ did on the third day on Easter morning when he rose from the grave. These are words that would give them, uh, give, give, give joy to future generations like that monk who would face the death through the Viking sword that he would know that others to shame and everlasting contempt, that there would be a double resurrection, if you like, and the wicked would be judged and the righteous would be lifted up to the glory of God. And so the climax of Daniel is very much in the sense of the future, that there will be a reckoning, there will be a moment and where the trumpet will sound and as As the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just read that chapter, that there will be a new heaven, a new earth, a resurrection. And those who are in Christ, they will be raised up and they will receive their reward at that moment. So they will awake and others will face that contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I mean, you could preach a whole sermon on this. That as a church and as individuals, we are called to shine. As a people, we are called to show the best even under the pressure and the problems that we face. But you, Daniel, roll up the seal and the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase in knowledge. What a powerful, powerful message that now the time, now there will be a time. Now you've got the message. The events will happen in the future. But now, Daniel, roll it up because it's not now. It's not now. It's going to happen, but it's not right now. And for us, we know, we feel the urgency of the world. We feel the urgency to maintain our prayer life. We feel the urgency to push into God. We feel it. And we know that in Revelation, one day that scroll will be opened. We know that things are shifting and moving, but God calls us to be a people of hope. He calls us to be a people of prayer. He calls us that even through the most darkest and terrible times that God is with us. So what do we learn from this scripture? Well, there are several points I'd like to make right now. First of all, I'd like to remind you that we are in difficult times and that we are in the end times from when Christ's resurrection all the way through to his return are what we describe as the end times. And there is a battle. There's a physical battle. There is injustice. There has been pain. There is suffering. There is agony. But there is also a reward as we see. For those who shine, for those that stand out. And one day we will gain 
that reward that as we live faithfully, as we live prayerfully, as we share the good news, as we care for the poor, as we declare the goodness of God, as we stand in the gap and do what God has called us to do. Let me assure you that there will be a time when you will receive your reward, your inheritance, and the Lord will look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And this is wonderful. But we've got to live lives that shine. We've got to be willing to be those shining stars. Because when the trumpet sounds, Christ will return and he will put all things back in order where they were in disorder. Where there has been chaos. Where there has been pain because of the result of sin. And you see the pain and the injustice. You see the death and the suffering in the world. We know the world that we live in. We read the history of all the terrible things that humanity is capable of and the evil that is within human heart. But one day Christ will return and he will place everything in order. I mean, we look at our own lives and we see the battle that exists. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a battle. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, when the day that Daniel is describing when the day of distress comes, put on your full armour of God that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand with the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes fitted with the readiness of the peace of the gospel, with the shield of faith and the sword, which is the word of God. And I really think sometimes nominal Christianity forgets that we are in a global spiritual battle. We forget that there's only two kinds of people, those who have found and those that are lost. We forget that there are principalities and lies and philosophies and concepts that take people away from God. And that we are in a spiritual battle and that spiritual battle is, is here. And that this world is old and that we grow old and we pass on. As one author said, this world is rusty. We start off shiny, new and amazing. But over time in this world, we rust, we decay. We experience that wear and tear. We experience the pain and suffering of death and loss. That one day we can't argue with our birth certificate. And one day we get to that point when we ourselves may die. And as we stand on the brink of death, our hope is in the fact that we will be taken 
risen up with the Father. And on that day, there will be a resurrection and we will receive the new heavens and the new earth and the new body. This is the hope of the gospel. This is why Christ rose from the tomb so that he was the first fruits of the resurrection that will happen in the future. And Daniel 12 speaks about this. But it also speaks about that, yes, everything's going to be new, renewed. We will be. But there we do live in an ugly, painful, difficult, boring world. At times we feel the monotony of this world. We feel the ugliness of what people are capable to do to each other and to speak to each other and to act. We see that people don't follow the way of grace. They do not follow the way of love. They are not patient and kind. They're not shining like stars in the way that Daniel speaks at and the way that the, that the New Testament speaks of, that we would shine like stars, that we would show the light of God into this world. One thing we've learned about Daniel is that he truly shone. He was willing to shine. Oh, my friends, in this world that we live in, the reality is we do face delay. Why hasn't God answered my prayers? Why hasn't God come through yet? We do experience disappointment. I wish this would have happened. Why did this happen in this way? Why did I have to go through that hardship? Why did I have to go through those problems? Why, Jesus, did I face that trauma? Why did I face that difficulty? Why has it been so tough and so painful? And to be honest... There are times in all of our lives when we have the hope of the resurrection in one hand and we have the pain and the agony and the distress of this world in the other. But the beautiful thing is, is that there is a day when he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. It's gone. It's gone. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. I am making Everything new. Understand this, that when you think about Daniel chapter 12, this is designed to give us comfort that when we face hardships, when we face distress, when we face pain, that there is a resurrection and God comes and he comforts us. And in this world, we know that we experience that. Sometimes we've experienced dreams that we've had and those dreams haven't been fulfilled because of the pain, because of the difficulty, because of what we've gone through. And we're wondering, Lord, 
Why didn't these dreams come through? Why didn't this happen? Why did these things not take place? I don't have the answer for that. But what I do know is that the power of the Christian faith is that one day God will make all things new. And that newness and that brightness will never fade. And that God will come and he will move in power. And that the work that God has done in your life will be completed on that day of Daniel chapter 12, when the dead will rise and those who are righteous will receive their reward and those of the wicked will be judged. And so Daniel is encouraging in this prophetic word that we would persevere and that we would keep moving despite the difficulty of the circumstances, despite the difficulty of pain. This week I heard a remarkable testimony of a young lady who shared of her life and her trauma and her pain. She now runs a ministry, but she, she described, as I listened to her, I found it quite remarkable. Because the context of, 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 of Daniel 12 is about the righteous being slaughtered, is about death and about that one day God will bring his justice. It is about the reality that in this world, people like that Christian monk I described at the beginning face trauma and death, but they face it because they have a knowledge that they will live forever and they know that God is with them. Well, imagine this girl. I guess she's about 40 now, 45, when I listened to her story. But she was eight years old. She lived in Egypt and she was part of a Coptic Christian community. They're in their community and just down the road was uh, the mosque. And she could hear the Iman preaching. And it was in those days when, when Muslim extremism was taking place. And he cried out these words, I want to feel the blood of the Christians up to my knees. And that unleashed a riot on the streets of that suburb in Cairo. And gangs of angry, radicalized Muslims came running through the streets and they would grab Christian men who had the mark of the cross on them and would beat them and kill them. And she was an eight-year-old girl and she looked she described the panic and her uncle pulled up on his motorbike. She loved her uncle. Her granddad was a pastor and, and she loved and her uncle pulled up and she liked to get on the motorbike with her uncle and sit on it and different things. And he was grabbed. He could see his wife. He was pregnant. He was taken. He was beaten and killed in front of this eight year old girl's eyes. She said, I was traumatised. I was absolutely traumatised. Fast forward, her family were moved to uh, Australia. And in Australia, she grew up. But she could never go back to Egypt. She could never. She buried the trauma, she described. She wrote a book about this. She buried the trauma and the agony. 
until one day the Holy Spirit spoke to her. And for the first time in prayer, she was stood there, she said, and she was in prayer. And what she described was that when she prays about pain and tough times and difficulties, and she needs Jesus to be with her and heal her, she always just stands and prays until she senses the presence of God. And then when the presence of God is there, she said, I simply, I asked the Lord to visit that place, that trauma, that persecution. She said, I hated Muslims. I hated them. And she said, I stood there at that moment and I just said, Lord, my uncle's dead. I was traumatized. I was lost. I believed in you, Jesus. How could this happen? And the voice of the Lord came to her and showed us something in that story she'd never knew. Showed that her uncle was taken to the glory of God and was there at the feasting table with the Lamb of God. She was like overwhelmed with the belief that there was a, there's, an, there's a time, there's a Lamb's feast, there's a moment of God's glory. And he's there. And then he just simply spoke a word. Remember my words on the cross. Father, forgive them. You must love the Muslims. You must love them with my love. And she said at that moment, I was utterly overwhelmed with love. With love for people, for Muslims. Today, she's a missionary leading many, many Muslims to Christ out of a heart of love and ministry, of ministering to Muslims. Of course, she experienced a terrible thing in extremism where it was, that was the culture with ISIS and all of that was taking place in the Middle East. Remember those African Christians in Libya, all lined up, who believed in Jesus and each of them beheaded. See, this is the context of Daniel 12. Because it gave courage to those who want to live righteous lives and yet the evil of man's hearts comes and yet there is healing and resurrection and peace in the power of the cross, even through the most difficult times. The end of her time, her interview, the person interviewing her was, was, was just weeping and I was struck by this story so deeply. She just said, you know, I want to remind everybody here that have gone through difficult times in this world that if you let Jesus come to you, he will heal you of that trauma. But let his presence come. Let him come. It's this hope that I think Daniel is communicating, that is captured in Revelations 21. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain. 
For the old order of things has passed away. There'll be a new order. But the truth is this. There is a new order created within our lives because we have the presence and the power of God at work within us. And it will be. This is trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words I rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. The book of Daniel finishes with these words, go your way. In other words, the world is dark. There will always be the north and the south kingdoms. There is pain. There is agony. But persevere. Persevere and keep going. Persevere and keep believing. Persevere and keep asking the Lord to move. Go your way and at the end, many will be purified, made spotless and refined. But the wicked will continue to be wicked. Isn't that true? The wicked continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. As for you, go your way to the end. You will rest, I mean he will die. And then at the end of the days, you will rise. Daniel will rise like you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. To receive your inheritance. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said, life is like a novel. Your life is like the preface and the introduction. When you die and you live in eternity, those are all the chapters that you will live for all eternity. You've only just begun. Go your way till the end. Can I challenge you at the end of Daniel to go your way and persevere with Christ, to serve Christ with all your heart, to commit your life to him with everything and go your way and keep going and keep believing and keep persevering. Keep going. And know that we live with pain and battles, we live with hope. We may have wounds from the world, but we can find God's presence. We can see Jesus in a different way. Do you remember Luke 24? Read it again. On the Emmaus Road, the disciples are traumatised, they're lost, they're in pain and agony. Jesus comes to them, but they don't see him. They tell him the story of what happened, the crucifixion, the pain, their hopes, it was dashed. 
And then when he has the meal with them, they see Jesus. And all the trauma is gone because they see Jesus. Many of us have gone through what we would describe as disappointment, delay, broken dreams, hardships and trauma. But when we invite Jesus into that trauma, into that hardship, we see Jesus and he comes and eats with us. And I believe he comes and heals us. So Father, I pray at the end of this sermon and this series in Daniel, that we, Lord, will be encouraged to live faithful lives, to have a perspective of heaven, to trust in the Lord, to our hope is in the Lord, that you are sovereign and you are king and that your kingdom will last forever. Thank you, Lord. And may we commit our whole lives to you. Friends, it's time to commit your life to Jesus. Give it all over. The end of this message, get on your knees, get right with God, recommit, live your life and keep going until the end. Thanks for joining and thank you for listening.